Well, you know what I think. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny that. I do want everyone to feel comfortable. That's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Please do not go religious. Somebody's going to hell over there. He better not. Even the devil will speak the truth for, for his own purposes. This is war. Accept it. Back to Jerusalem podcast. Yeah, I'm back and I'm armed with righteousness. With your host, Eugene Bach. He just seems like he's got it all figured out. He's a righteous dude. Yep. Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of America. I'm super excited to be in America right now. As you've been hearing for the last couple of weeks, I've been doing my podcast together with our good friend Banu on this new series that we've been doing called Miracles Behind the Veil. This is an amazing series where Banu is coming from the front line, sharing with us exclusively what is taking place with Muslims in Muslim areas, how they are coming to Christ, and these stories that are not being told anywhere else are being told by her exclusively. She's meeting with them on a weekly basis, encouraging them, discipling them, praying with them, and teaching them certain things. And the stories that they're sharing with her are so uplifting. They're sharing with Banu because Banu used to be a Muslim. She came to Christ. She knows their background. She knows their story. She knows a little bit about the trials and tribulations that they are facing. For the last couple of weeks, I've been here in America traveling around the U.S. with our dear friends. So I've been traveling with Brother Yun, uh, his son Isaac Leo, who is a pastor. Uh, his book is so, so good. If you get the chance to read that, it's called Son of the Underground. It's about what it is like growing up as a child in the underground house church. Most people have heard of the heavenly man. And have read that book, but not a lot of people have read Son of the Underground. I highly encourage you to read that one when Isaac was with us at our persecuted conference, our Voice of the Persecuted Church conference, rather. His story was so amazing. There were people that were just touched by his testimony. We also had Miriam Ibrahim, who's we came out with her book, Shackled, this year. And then we had Nagame Panahi with us. I, her book will come out next year. Uh, she was a leader with the Underground Church in Iran. And then we had our dear sister Esther that I've traveled around in the U.S. together with. She planted more churches than anybody that I ever met in North Korea. She's a Korean-Chinese missionary who went into North Korea from China, being born and raised in China, but as a, an ethnic Korean. And so she went to go minister in North Korea, thrown in prison, tortured, phenomenal story of an endurance and Christ faithfulness to us during our times of trial and tribulation. So I've been here in America doing that. And every Tuesday, I've been doing interviews together with Banu where she shares her stories. And I've just loved it. Even though I haven't been taking phone calls from anyone else, I've been stopping and doing podcasts together with her because these stories are ones that I don't want to miss, and I know that you desperately want to hear. Banu, that was a long introduction. I apologize. How are you doing, my sister? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me, Eugene. I have a question for you. I have an answer, you, maybe. <laughs> do you become friends with underground leaders, or after getting connected to you, they become leaders in the underground church? Because I was nobody... And after becoming friends with you, all of a sudden, now I'm leading an underground 
scoop. So <laughs> it's interesting that okay, it all has, your friends Yeah, are. it has nothing to do with me. I actually bring down the level of prestige for any pastor, re regardless of whether underground or not. Uh, I was in a church just two days ago. Uh, in Indianapolis, in Greenwood, and uh, it's a it's a good sized church. It's a pretty it's a medium sized church for America. Really great group of believers. They had their missions week, and so they invited myself and Miriam to come and share about back to Jerusalem and of course Miriam's story. And the pastor there was a there was a guy that was playing guitar, and um, and as he was playing guitar, the pastor and I were kind of chatting a little bit during praise and worship which is a big no-no, by the way. I, I initiated it, and he was just being kind and accommodating me. But, you know, I was chatting with him, you know, at the beginning of the worship service. And I lean over, because I'm looking at this guitar player, and I'm like, Pastor, he looks like Santana. And, of course, I'm referring to this famous guitar player that, you know, plays, uh, like, rhythm and blues, rock and roll. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And... Um, and he, he kind of looked at me like he didn't really know what I was talking about, but then he said, I always thought he looked like, and he named somebody who I've never heard of because it was a guitar player in a Christian band. And I've never, wow. you know, I'm not, I haven't really listened to Christian music, but it hit me then that, you know, and I told him, I leaned over and I said, hey, pastor, you keep the Christian references. I'll keep with the, the secular references. <laughs> I brought him <laughs> down. Like I brought him into a more earthly place with my, my sin kind of being thrown, thrown in that, that service. Cause I listened to, you know, obviously I've listened to Santana. The answer to that question is no. I somehow have been privileged to connect with underground pastors throughout my life. And, and it's just been by chance. It's not because I've chased after them. I definitely haven't. I've, I've never really, I don't really look for people that are well known. I don't try to get my pictures taken with people that are famous. Um, I don't do a lot of name dropping per se when I'm in conversations with people. I just kind of find it a little bit icky and gross. Um, mm -hmm. but the, the answer is no, I find these underground house church pastors by some shape, form or fashion, and just find myself privileged to, to call them acquaintances, let alone maybe, maybe friends. But, uh, after some time with me, I actually bring down their profile, not lift it up. So if you have an increase of calling my sister, I promise you it has nothing to do with me. Yeah, man. I just wanted to know if you had that kind of anointing, all of a sudden people just <laughs> Definitely not an anointing. Definitely not an anointing, no. But uh, I, I am just blown away by the people that are reaching out to you, Banu. I'm hey, blown away. Come on, away you by... have to take some credit. There was a normal couple who were living in Boise. You made them a missionary or, like, I don't know, you convinced them to go to Iraq where <laughs> ISIS was blowing bombs there. Oh, yes, you, my, my good friends that. from Idaho, yes. Um, they are amazing. Uh, yeah, they like to, and, and if you listen to their story, you'll notice that I didn't convince them at all. I came and told them about Iraq and everything that they heard from me made them not want to go. I told them that, you know, uh, I can promise, I can promise that I can get you in, but I can't promise I can get you out. Um, I told them that, you know, if anything happens while we're here, um, just look to the sun for directions. It will point you to the North. And I showed them, I honestly did. I showed them how to use their watch to use their watch in order and with the sun in order to figure out which way is north so that they can make their way to the Turkish border in case we get overrun by ISIS. I did do that, but that, that was not to convince them to go. 
Banu. That was that was that was me just talking. I wasn't trying to convince them to go or not to go. I could care less. But they see, all you need God is to talk them. to people, and they become missionaries. See, <laughs> <laughs> I was right. It in a way. is true. It is true. I it, there is a there is an appeal. This is back to Jerusalem, though. Back to Jerusalem has an appeal somehow with people that are strange. Strange mm. characters in this world are attracted to back to Jerusalem. Individuals that don't fit in with society, that are a little bit socially abrasive or socially awkward, individuals that would never make it into the social elite clubs, um, individuals that would barely make it into a redneck country club, somehow mm -hmm. find themselves accepted and enjoying life to serving together with Back to Jerusalem missionaries. There's something about the vision of Back to Jerusalem that says you're going to be nameless, faceless, poor, downtrodden, persecuted and love every minute of it there's um there's a, a a lady who runs our um our british office she she runs my schedule quite a bit and i love working together with her and i told her from the very beginning join us we'll ruin your life but it'll be fun <laughs> Oh, I just love your introduction there, like troublemaker. That that now name I really like it. because <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. you're a nice, kind, sweet person. That's why. So there have been people that have been reaching out to you, Bono, and they've been talking to you about their about their their challenges after converting to Christ. They've been opening up to you with some of the most intimate details about their life. Yeah. In the last couple of weeks, you've been just sharing story after story about individuals coming to Christ supernaturally because Jesus appeared to them. Individuals that yeah. supernaturally, Jesus appeared and taught them the Bible in their living room. Um, yeah. You've been teaching, you've been, you've been sharing stories that have given me the heebie-jeebies. Like the idea of demons sharing about Jesus with unbelievers. <laughs> Yeah. It, it just amazing yeah. stories from the field. If you are listening to this podcast and you have not yet heard one of those interviews together with Banu, I would highly encourage you to go back through this Miracles Behind the Veil series and re-listen to those because they are powerful. Banu, this week you have another special story. And yes. you know, and it's not like you're trying to curate these. I mean, do you know how many people, how many ministries would pay money to have this in their magazine, to have these on their podcast, to have these on their TV show? We're not trying. You and I said, oh, wow, you have these testimonies. Let's share them until they run out. But they just keep mm -hmm. coming. Somehow, some way, they just keep coming. This week, you have a, another special story to share with us. Can, can you tell us about it? Yes, I'm going to talk about uh, a lady who is an evangelist now with her husband. So I just got curious, you know, like Jesus showing up and the couch and all these things. I just don't want people to have an idea that, okay, maybe for Muslims, it's like either healing or visitation is what works, you know. This, um, I have met a couple of them who have been touched by the example of other Christians. Like, it wasn't like a, like a dramatic change, like a day one change or anything. So uh, there was a lady uh, who shared, like, she was just a baby, you know, like a toddler. I, I don't know what people think about toddlers. They don't understand or anything. But that touch, that affection 
of a Christian neighbor intrigued her because she said we were so rich but as I was but my neighbor auntie was so good that she just loved on me and their life was so different than my household there was something different as a child she felt that and then you know they moved to a different place but she started searching for the lord I, there's a presence there's like we were talking about <laughs> you just talking to people and you know so your presence as a christian your presence is so important your touch is so important your your lifestyle the the victorious lifestyle is so important that's what i felt listening to begum's story so this is um one of the story was like okay as a infant my friend zareen came to the lord and she's serving the lord she married a muslim man but all her three children are christians now because of her faith because a neighbor's love that touched her and now she became a christian and all her three children are christian and their daughter is one, is in my youth group and this another story i want to bring today which i'm going to uh, uh break it down in more details is like begum was 15 years old and a christian family moved to their neighborhood and they did not have children they had been married for so long they, they did not have children so she was so attracted to them and they were praying all the time and they never shared gospel with her but their lifestyle like the faith they had and the whole neighborhood came to know that this couple can never have a children because he uh he had brain tumor and he was healed and she had some problems so medically there was no way that they would have children but they were always praying and they told our god will give us a child and the attention that she was getting from that couple was so beautiful and their lifestyle was so beautiful she she would go to her house go to mother's up pray everything and then would come to this neighbor's house and just see them praying and see they were so different and what happened is like after several years and the whole neighborhood was talking it's india okay people would people are interested <laughs> in everything we do <laughs> so they are like this couple are always clapping their hands praying God, their doctor said they're not never going to have a child but medically it's not possible so if they just clap their hands and pray are they going to have a child and you know kind of a mock, mocking around the neighborhood but this girl has been seeing both the sides of the story she was hearing all her neighbors mocking this couple at the same time this couple were so sincere so loving so genuine so different and they long story short they had a child and she was taken back how is it possible that all these things are happening in their life which is ne- is medically not possible how come they are so different she got so intrigued by her by their lifestyle and one day when that lady was having a baby her sister comes to the town to help and she goes and do her prayer and the sister asks because she is so innocent they both were same age like you know a teen, like 19 20ish 
So they ask, okay, why are you praying all this prayer? And Begum said, I want to go to heaven. And she said, no, you're not going to heaven by bowing down or doing things. And she said, what are you talking about? She said, only Jesus Christ can take you to heaven. But remember, all these things, her ground was being prepared. By already the neighbors were preparing her heart. She was seeing all these things. And then this person comes up and says, no, Jesus Christ is the Lord. And she said, is he not the God of Christians? Is he not a prophet? No, he died for your sins, and she took her to the church. And long story short, there was a preacher who knew nothing about her, came to her and prophesied over her that you're going to be a testimony uh, for my word. And she did not understand. She's like, I'm a Muslim. How can I testify about Jesus? Then she comes back home. And then she said, okay, I gave, okay, I prayed the prayer. Do, would I go to heaven? You know, she's so innocent, naive uh, about a lot of things. We, you know, there's like not always there's a drastic change, Eugene. Sometimes it's just the Lord keeps moving them from the center, you know. And what happened is she got baptized and her family came to know, started beating her and tied her, no food, nothing. And then they found a man to get her married. And Begum did not know. She she is like a baby Christian. She has seen Jesus. She is like not sure what's happening with her. Can, and can then you just, just take a pause right there? Jesus, I know that we're limited on to time do. today. I have I don't know what I'm doing. I don't. I was not thinking that I was leaving Islam. I didn't know, but I know you are true, and Islam is not right. I know you are a true God. Abano, are you able to hear me? Uh, without her thinking, she's just left Islam by just the influence. Bano, are you and able to hear me? Hello. Yes. Yeah, you're able to hear me. Okay. If we can just I, right there, I just want to ask you a really quick question because. Um, you, you, you went through something quite quickly, which is, which is so normal for young women that are subjected to this. When they become Christian, it's not just that they become Christian. It's mm-hmm. that they become subjected to pretty extreme violence. You said that she was tied up in her home. Yeah. Tied up in her home. How long was she tied up? Do you know? She said she doesn't remember, like she was not eating she was not, she, she said that I could not think, I, there was like, uh, she, she could not remember, you know, the trauma is so real, like for a couple of months. But interesting, this is another thing common, Eugene, I wanted to highlight, like a couple of people like I know who come become a Christian or something, one is they tie them up or they put, uh, put them in the, like in a house arrest or restaurant, uh, but they also start finding uh, a man to get them married to. You know, they start finding a Muslim man to get them married to. Like, like she is not thinking straight. She is not sensible. Like, you know, when you no food, uh, nothing. Like you're, uh, you're 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 being traumatized inside the house. And on the other side, they're just trying to get you married to a Muslim man. This is. Another common 
thing that I've been seeing. Like, you know, okay, the next option is to get the news to a Muslim man. <laughs> yeah, so, there's something about... Because it, I, right now we're seeing this in Iran, right? With Iran, mm-hmm. when when um, the protesters, many of the protesters are women. Because, of course, mm-hmm. it was a woman that had died in Iran due to the head covering situation where a woman was taken into custody because she didn't, she was not properly covered. Her hair was not properly covered. She did not have on the full hijab as she was required to have in uh, Iran. So she was taken into custody and beaten so Mm -hmm. badly in jail that she ended up dying. She succumbed to her injuries and, uh, mm-hmm. Now there's been a lot of women that have ro- risen up against the government saying we will not cover our hair any longer. And so a lot of yeah. these people have been arrested. Thousands of them have been detained. And the leader has come out. I just saw it yesterday, shared by our dear sister Nagame. It just came out that the leader has said that before th- th- these women that have been protesters will be executed. But before they are executed, they will be raped. Yeah. Be, so for not th- covering their head. <laughs> for not covering their head. They will be raped so that they will not make it into heaven. There's something about uh, the, the violation of that innocence. That there's something about that, that, that for a woman to be tied up, threatened, beaten, mm-hmm. and then sold or, or, or forced into mm-hmm. marriage. Because... When you're forced into marriage, that's not marriage. We use the word marriage to kind of indicate what we mean, but it really is enslaved rape. Yeah. Because uh, the the young lady is forced to be with a man that she doesn't want to be with. And when I say be yeah. with, I mean in every way. She's forced to live with him, clean with him, mm-hmm. or clean for him, take care of him, and please him. And so there is this slavery environment that basically... And, if, and in Islam, you can correct me mm-hmm. if I'm wrong, but... Uh, or how it's practiced in India anyway, but how it's practiced in other parts of the world is very much according to the Quran, which is a man has the obligation, not just the permission, he has the obligation to correct his wife. And and it's teaching uh, within the Hadiths about Mm -hmm. how to do that, you know, how to beat your wife, like what what gauge? Oh, it's in Quran, yeah, yeah. How to beat your wife, how to separate them from the bed. What does it have to separate them from the bed? And then if they don't listen, then you have, you can beat her, you know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so... I, yeah, there is a correlation. I think it's... Sometimes, I don't know, Eugene, it's the spirit of Islam. Even people who have not read their hadith, okay, they operate in the same spirit... You know, nobody has to teach them. They do the exact same thing <laughs> for some reason. And everywhere around the world, the same thing, as you said, the violation of women or, or get, see, this is like a decent thing, like getting married under the banner of marriage. You know, they want the girls uh, to be abused or enslaved. But in Iran, it's like uh, open. <laughs> Both are the same for me, you know, as you yes. said, it's the same. Yeah. Right. And, uh, yeah, getting back to the story, she did not know what to do. And they were neighbors. The Christian family were neighbors. So, you know, she wrote it. She said there was no phone or no cell phone there. So she wrote a note to the neighbor, like, hey, 
my family is trying to get me married uh, this and this date. I don't know what to do. So the neighbor <laughs> wrote a back note, like, you know, a little child, children, you give them a candy, they pass their note. <laughs> so it was like her sister's daughter was so attracted to her. She's like, okay, I'll take it. I won't tell anybody. And then that man wrote a note back. If you want to follow Christ, come out of your house on this time. And there will, uh, if you want to be a Muslim, then go ahead and get married. So she had to make a choice. It's not like Jesus was sitting on their couch and teaching. It was like just the faith, um, Eugene. Like she is like, I don't know, this is truth. Like she said, I knew it was truth. And especially now she is seeing all the colors of Islam. And she didn't know what to do. And it was, she said, it was such a hard choice to make. Where am I going? What am I going to do? They are our neighbors, but how do I trust them? What do I do? So there was a car waiting. She said, I don't know how I got out of the house. She went and sat in the car. And it was her neighbor's brother. He was there. And he said, my sister, it's a cost, Eugene. It's a, it's a very dramatic story. He said, hey, um, I'm here. I was engaged to somebody at the church. It was an arranged marriage. But my sister asked me if I can marry you. I do not know uh, anything. I don't know anything about you, but I know you want to follow Christ. And the girl I was engaged to, she told me, like, if you want I give you permission if this uh, Muslim woman want to be a Christian and if you're willing to marry, you have my permission. So he just, they had a oral agreement and, and he offered, okay, I will marry you. Because here's the thing, in Islamic thing, you have to get married to a man right away, Eugene. Like she had no way out. She cannot be alone. It's not the West, you know, I'm 18, I can do whatever. If she's not married, she would be trapped again back. And uh, she had no choice. The man she never met, a man has never met her. They never had any understanding. But he said, I follow Jesus and I will try to follow the biblical example for you. And I will love you all the days of my life. I do not know you, but because you want to follow Christ, I'm not married. I'm willing to marry you. <laughs> it's a bizarre story. She agreed. They just went to the church, got married, um, just got all the documents signed, and they ran away. But the neighbors went through all the persecution from the mosque, and uh, it, they went through a big uh, trauma after that. And But today, this couple are happy. They are evangelists. They're following the Lord. But there was a cost to pay. She has to leave all her family the man has to leave her, whatever, everything, and then marry totally. Like, she was willing to marry a Christian stranger than marrying a Muslim stranger, you know? And their life is like, oh, I don't know what kind of story is this, but they are following the Lord, and they are on fire. If, and I she's love it. such a prayer warrior, Eugene. Such a powerful story. And their marriage is so beautiful now. That's so awesome. beautiful now. 
you know, there is a cost. <laughs> yes, there is a high cost. And I mean, your stories highlight those costs on a regular basis. Now, I know that next month you are planning to go to India and there's a need in India for Bibles. Um, as we close with this podcast, can you share a little bit with about the need for Bibles in India so that those that are listening to this podcast will know how to pray and will know how to pray for you when you travel there? Oh, yeah. Please be praying. Recently, uh, it blew my mind. I got a prayer request from one of the ex-Muslim men. I told you, like, we are all in one group. And they said, this person, so-and-so, used to be imam, and he is evangelizing, and eight people got baptized, and four of them are imams. I'm like, what? (laughs) And he said, oh, just pray that all he needs is Bible. And I'm like, what? They, they, don't, they cannot afford Bible? He said, yeah, they need 200 Bible. He is just preaching gospel like crazy. And I'm like, people can have no food and they can live, but still people need Bible. Is And Eugene, I don't know how to even convert 350 or 400 rupees into a dollar. Like, our dollar is like 80 80 rupees right now, like 50 cents. <laughs> and within a dollar, they can buy, uh, sorry, how much is it? Sorry, 80, 80 rupees is $1. So you can convert it like $5 around, you know? Okay, yeah. They can get one Bible. So, yeah, they, they, so that, I mean, basically it doesn't cost that much for them to have a Bible. And that's something that you're going to be doing when you go there, you and your husband are financially buying Bibles yourself just to provide for them. Um, we plan at Back to Jerusalem to partner together with you to help provide those as well. And uh, there's one other thing that we're going to try to send funding together with you when you go uh, to provide scholarship funding for some of these persecuted Christians where their children are not able to attend school for one reason or the other. Sometimes they're isolated from society. Sometimes they're being chased, and so the parents have to flee their home home together with their children, go to an area where they may not be registered. Maybe they don't have a job. Maybe they had to leave all their resources, their home, their their money behind. And so we tr- want to partner together with them and help those children go through school with the Back to Jerusalem Martyrship Funds. Uh, can you share with us some, some of the things that you've already heard about some of the children that need an education? I mean... In India, education is very important, and when they are educated, they can get a job, you know. So basically, uh, like last week's story, like double persecution, like from Islam, like they are persecuted by the Islamic group, and also they are persecuted by a Hindu group, and then they are doing ministry around there. So they need money to send their children to school, you know, like... Where else will they go? <laughs> they, they like small group of believers, and they are not going to afford their school fees or anything like whatever the money that that the church brings in. They are in the. They need to provide for them, you know. So people like that, like they are also risking their life. Uh, and the public schools are really bad. It's not the same as uh, America. Like most of them, like they are coming from a decent family, they probably go to a little bit of private schools or whatever, you know. 
so that they can be better educated and they can get a job easily. They can speak in English to get a good job. So there's like a lot of needs, Eugene, like like they have to leave everything, you know, their family money, uh, they have to move to another place. You And people are watching you, mocking you. It's, it's a different kind of a persecution. It's hard to explain. Like one man died and they're two he accepted Christ, the family accepted Christ, but he died. Those two children, I don't know how they're being provided. The whole mosque is mocking at them, and they have to go to school right in front of their eyes. So it's hard. Yeah. Well, Banu, it was really good having you for this podcast. We thank you so much for sharing with us again these amazing stories and also sharing with us the need for the Bibles and the need for the scholarships. Um, yeah. It is, it is another great week of hearing from you. We pray for you, and we pray for those that you are ministering to. We want to thank you for joining us for another Back to Jerusalem podcast. Again, I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of America. God bless.